All right, here we go. It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Well, if you're Dakota's mom, or my mom, <laughs> you know exactly where your children are. At least a couple of them. They're talking about movies. Welcome to the new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. About time. <laughs> I'm Steven. And I'm Dakota. And tonight we're, we're doing another review of the new Steven Spielberg movie, Bridge of Spies. I didn't know that was out now. Yeah. So many people are saying to themselves. Yeah. Bridge of what? Stephen who? Yes, we're talking about that. Yes, there is a new Steven Spielberg. Did you hear of it? Maybe. Not many people did. This one seemed to kind of sneak under the radar. And I think maybe Spielberg did that on purpose a little bit. I don't know. It seemed like this wasn't meant to be one of his big blockbusters. It should have been, though. This movie should have taken in $100 million. First weekend, yes. Oh, Dakota's showing his cards. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll be going into our review of of uh, Bridge of Spies starring Tom Hanks here in a few more minutes. But first, as usual, we want to talk about a little bit of movie news. So what's in the news sphere that you've been, uh, that's been catching your eye, Dakota? Oh, well, unfortunately... Well, this sounds promising already. <laughs> we might as well start off on a low point and build it up. <sighs> the amazing actor known as Fred Thompson unfortunately passed away a few days ago. Yes. Um, kind of became a politician and senator and tried to run for president at one point a few years back. But yeah, it was more known as being in movies like Hunt for Red October. And then, of course, he was on Law & Order. Yeah, that's where I that's where I met him and fell in love with him. But yeah, he's also known for just what what's interesting is uh he was a senator in real life, but in movies he was always the guy who you could get to play some sort of government guy or senator just cuz he had that kind of look and hold to him, which is why he worked in Law and Order too as as that character too, just he had that kind of presence to him. But yes, he was only and I say only, he's in his 70s, but he's only 73. Um you know, that's not, that's not very old to be dying. Um, but yeah, he did, uh, he did kick it. Good, big, tall Southern boy. So. I'm trying to think here what, yeah, it was him. Um, I think the last thing I saw him in, and this was a while ago, was Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. He played General, or not General, he was President Grant in that movie, and. He had a small part. I never saw that. He played He played Grant, huh? Yeah. Wow. Huh. Big, big, big fluffy beard with to him. I was going to say, it's hard to picture Fred Thompson with a big beard. Yeah, unfortunately, he was only in the... Oddly enough, according to this movie, Grant was actually concerned with Indian rights, which is odd because I heard his administration was just corrupt as... Well, probably one of the more corrupt we've ever had. Well, I think that was kind of... Yeah. Grant... Wasn't <laughs> you see his character? It was actually, it was actually interesting because they made him obviously 
Civil War hero. He was supposed to have been a hard drinking, tough fighting. Supposedly he was a speeder too. <laughs> what they considered a speeder at the time. He was speeding in a horse and carriage yeah. around Washington D.C. But yeah, but they actually made him seem pretty sympathetic, and I just thought that was interesting. You know, there's as we're gonna probably talk about this later. There's certain aspects of history that kind of we just kind of forget about over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was one of those rare moments where we gotta take a look at another side. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Even if it's something that you're not super interested in or something, um, it is interesting how when they make these movies, and, and if they're made well, like, I know Barry My Heart of Wounded Knee was really well received, um, and they can just kind of open the door on this little section of history that isn't always talked about, um, it is cool to at least know about those things, even if it's, even if you're not a history person, it's just good to know about the different things that happened and how it was handled and and just to know what that meant in the large scheme of just politics, relations, anything like that. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize he was in that. But like I said, I never I never saw that one. But but yeah, anyway, that was Fred Thompson had passed away. Um, something that kind of <laughs> caught my eye, and I'm not sure exactly how I feel about it. I'm going to go kind of more like... <laughs> how I feel about it. So this it. is the absurd part of the movie news. <laughs> yeah. Was that they want to reboot Ocean's Eleven, which at first you just go, wow, it's really soon to reboot Ocean's Eleven again because the Ocean's Eleven they made in like 99 or 2000 was a remake <laughs> of an old Rat Pack movie. But this time around, just to jazz it up again... Uh, they want it to be an all-female Ocean's Eleven, and they're eyeing Sandra Bullock to lead. So I'm assuming she would be Annie Ocean? <laughs> they'll take the D off and make her Annie, I guess. I don't know what they'll call it. Andrea Ocean? She could still be Danny. That's true. There's Danny's. Danny, Danielle. Um, but yeah, so kind of like what they're doing with Ghostbusters. What was the other thing they've... Um, technically Roadhouse... Oh, yeah, there's going to be a roadhouse with Ronda Rousey playing the Patrick Swayze role. And uh, they're acting like, Hollywood's just kind of acting like doing all this is like, see, look at this, we're fixing that. But it's like, no, I think, the you know, women are fighting for more leading roles, but I don't think it's because they want you to take something that was already done and just kind of rehash it with girls or women. But it's like, I think what would help their cause more is if it was more interesting original roles that were written for women. This is just like, all right, here you go. Here's your woman movie. And it's like, nobody will want to see it since it's a stupid reboot. Yeah, this but, could blow up in their faces so bad. I oh, just, yeah, I mean, a, and obviously I'm guessing Warner Brothers will be doing this since they did the other ones. And uh, I don't know. You know, it's mm-hmm. <laughs> just don't know. It's like, what's next? Uh, it, the all-female reboot of The Expendables? <laughs> yeah. It's just... Ronda Rousey's eyeing playing the Terminator. <laughs> like, reboot the Terminator again, but with a female Terminator, which they've kind of done, but yeah. not really. Reboot Jaws, except in, this time it's a woman shark. It's a female shark. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah, just, it, just ridiculous. Like, like, the mummy. 
with a female mummy. <laughs> it's like reboot all these ridiculous things or something. The Wolf Woman. <laughs> so Dracula and Frankenstein, but yeah. with, with, which both of those have kind of already been done in their own right. But. Yes, but yeah. So there's that. Um, anything else, Dakota? That kind of caught you this week? Um, not really. Not I, in the movie news. I know something that kind of happened over this Halloween weekend was it was the worst box office weekend of the year of 2015. Yes. That usually doesn't happen at Halloween time. Instead of having some really small bombs, we just got a bunch of big ones. And Yeah. Well, they had some obscure movie many people didn't seem to have heard about that they tried to act like was all of a sudden this big movie. Our Brand is Crisis. It also just kind of showed up, and they were acting like, here's a movie you've been waiting for, but nobody knew what it was, and nobody cared. Yeah, <laughs> it had an interesting trailer, but it was, yeah, it was meant, it kind of reminded me of those political satires they made a lot of in the 90s. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think, Wag the Dog. Like Wag the Dog, sure. Um, what was the one that was supposed to be about Clinton, Bill Clinton, but not about Bill Clinton? Primary Colors. Yeah, it was one this of isn't about Bill Clinton. He just acts exactly like Bill Clinton, and she acts exactly like Hillary Rodham Clinton. Yeah, um, it was one of those things. And then uh, the other one from a big star we had was Burnt, which instead of yeah, which had the two leading people from American Sniper, <laughs> yeah. but in a totally different movie, where Bradley Cooper plays what uh, he's supposed to be like a Rick. slightly psychotic chef. Trying to make a restaurant four stars or something again. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there was just kind of movies like that, and so it caused The Martian <laughs> to be number one movie of the weekend, even though it's been out for almost a month now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so just kind of interesting things like that. But I have a feeling that November's going to be uh, a big spike in box office again with Bond possibly peanuts yep the peanut peanuts gang are back guys yeah and in the early reviews of that have been pretty good that it's a that it works and of course you got mocking jay part two um which you know has a huge hype and following to it and now at this point three movies in probably have had more people watch them read the books to even you know a lot of times when you get to that last movie it's even bigger because more people have jumped on the bandwagon, like what happened with uh, uh, the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, what was the last one called? Deathly Hollows. Yeah. The Deathly Hollows Part 2, it just got even bigger. And uh, and so I'm guessing, you know, it'll be, be that way with this one too. So November will probably change some of that. But I think um, now we'll just move into our review of Bridge of Spies. You've been selected for a mission which you are not to discuss with anyone outside of this room. We are engaged in a war with the Soviet Union. This war does not for the moment involve men at arms. It involves information. We've got a Soviet spy. But there's a wrinkle. They got our spy pilot. With a head full of classified information. 
The Russians want their man back before he cracks. We want you to negotiate the swap. I'm an insurance lawyer. I'm not sure I want to pick that up. Are you good at what you do? This will be a first for the both of us. You should be careful. I'm talking to you about the security of your country. Why are we hanging him? He's a spy! You're asking me to violate the Constitution. Do you know how people will look at us? The family of a man trying to free a traitor? Everyone deserves a defense. Every person matters. Where do they want this negotiation? East Berlin. Just tell me that you're not going to be in any danger. I don't even care if it's the truth. Give me something to hold on to. Our governments can't. People in my country consider this an act of war. You can call it what you want. Let's be clear. Nobody is safe. We're in a battle for civilization. The Constitution is what makes us Americans. Shouldn't we show our enemies who we are? Things have started to fall apart. Is this your position or your government's? Is there any outcome here where I'm not either detained or shot? What's the move when we don't know what the game is? The next mistake our country's made could be the last one. And here we go. <laughs> so, uh, like we said, Bridge of Spies was a, um, would you call it, I guess it'd be a spy thriller, but it was almost more drama in a lot of ways. I would almost call it, would you, would, do you think it's fair to call it a spy drama? Almost more than a thriller? I was thinking it was more of a political thriller, kind of. Yeah, it just kind of had that whole blend in it, and uh, like we said, it was starring Tom Hanks, and was directed by Steven Spielberg, and was actually, um, two of the writing credits were the Coen Brothers. Yeah, that Which, I had no idea. Yeah, I, I just had found that out just, I think, oh, I don't know, a week or two ago that they had written it, and it kind of um, reminded me how they had written Unbroken, too, the Louis Zamperini yeah. movie that was not directed by them also that starred, uh, or starred, was directed by Angelina Jolie. And so, I don't know, apparently they've been diving into the history books. I don't know, maybe they and, decided to take some time off directing their own movies yeah i don't know uh, apparently in their free time they write things <laughs> so um yeah and so this is basically uh this movie was based on a 1960 uh incident during the cold war when a um well it was kind of a couple of different things went on the the u.s took into custody a russian spy or a soviet spy in america and during the same time that he was detained, a U-2 pilot, I'm not talking about Bono flying a plane, <laughs> there was a, the spy planes that flew 70,000 feet over Soviet Russia they were trying to use to, to kind of keep an eye on Russia. One of them crashed in Soviet Russia, and the pilot was recovered and detained, and it kind of turned into this whole basically incident here where they were trying to work out if an exchange would be possible and all this stuff and and so all this is kind of the 
the culminating parts of the beginning of the movie and kind of building how, how uh, Tom Hanks gets involved in all this too because he's a insurance lawyer. So I don't know if you want to try to explain some of that, Dakota, kind of the setup of that, what brings him into it. Uh, well, he, at one point, they imply that at one point in time in this move in the history, which I'm guessing is what actually happened, he was a criminal attorney, and they say that he was actually at Nuremberg prosecuting uh, Nazi war criminals, which I was thought, I immediately thought, cool, does that mean we get a prequel? Yeah, <laughs> a James Donovan prequel? <laughs> yeah. But we'll uh, need a young Tom Hanks. How about his son, Colin? <laughs> there you go. But, uh... What happens in the movie, and apparently what happened in history, is uh, the Bar Association, and I'm assuming it's New York, decided that this guy should get a fair trial. You know, so it couldn't be questioned, oh, he didn't receive fair treatment, which they didn't say in the movie, but I'm guessing that stemmed from what happened with the Rosenbergs, who supposedly their tr- other Soviet spies were caught in the U.S., they were executed... Um, but the idea is to give this guy a fair, fair, in quotes, trial, <laughs> when the idea is he's pretty much going to be found guilty. <laughs> yeah, they kind of had this idea of like, well, we want to make sure the Soviets uh, in the world sees that we are a fair system, so we'll put him through trial, and then we'll electrocute him. Yeah. And it was kind of one of those deals, which is strange, but when you put yourself into the mentality of that time period, is like, well... I could see where it would be like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's kind of what happens when you're in those types of, of situations. Even the judge at the trial pretty much <laughs> says, says that it was like, well, just make, just go sit next to the spy. He's <laughs> like, we're not drawing this out. Cause we all know he's getting fried <laughs> is basically what he says. And, uh, and it's interesting. Cause it kept reminding me of, I, I really felt like James Donovan, Tom Hanks, character was almost like John Adams. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that John Adams defended the British soldiers involved in the Boston Massacre. Yeah. And he and everybody was just ticked that John Adams would defend those, those men. Because, you know, it was, again, at the time, we didn't like the British. You know, a lot of people, especially in Boston, did not like the British. And so it, it you know, everybody hated John Adams for a time, which, of course... He didn't really care because he was John Adams. But his thinking was, everybody deserves a fair trial. And that seemed to be James Donovan's mindset, yeah. too. That, okay, this guy, even if we have all this evidence he's a Russian spy, we, we our Constitution says everyone deserves a fair trial. And it was really ironic how I'd be interested to see if, <laughs> if you could be in like some of the conversations of this actual incident where... Um, some of the guys in the government were like, stop quoting the Constitution at me. It was like, here he was using the thing that they swear to uphold, and they're mad at him for using it, you know, in, in that way, just because they want to get this done, and they, they want justice in their way. And so it, it's, kind of, it's kind of this fine line of, of justice and revenge. Well, kind of revenge, but more yeah. like using this guy as a statement maybe even more so too and so it was kind of writing that line there and so uh it actually becomes a strange story of friendship really how how um james donovan 
and I can't remember his first name, Abel, the, the Soviet spy, almost uh, get a friendship through this time together and, and kind of have a gain a mutual respect for each other. Uh, Abel sees Donovan as a um, honorable man who wants to do right by what he's said he would do. And Donovan sees Abel as a man who's really just doing what an American would be doing if he were caught in Russia. In fact, he says so much in the movie. He goes, well, isn't this, you know, if, if one of our guys were in Russia, wouldn't we, you know, be proud of him if he acted like this? You know, he almost gained, like, a respect for him in that sense in how he kept his honor and, and it was just kind of an interesting friendship <laughs> in a way formed out of that. Yeah, and the interesting part is that uh, he didn't even want to take the case originally in this movie. They, they well, for cut. a lot of reasons, he he wasn't in a criminal attorney yeah. anymore. He knew he'd be hated. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I just I just think that's interesting how kind of right off the bat he doesn't want to do it, but he knows that with him he's going to get a fair trial, or he's going to get somebody that's actually going to try to give him a fair a fair trial. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, just like, oh, well, so this is the evidence, and uh, I don't know. We'll just <laughs> we'll just plead guilty, and you'll go to prison. And... Mm-hmm. But uh, one thing that I found I really liked about the story of how they became friends is just the fact that uh, the Abel character just handles everything so well. <laughs> I mean, he's a stranger in a strange land. He really is, yeah. He doesn't know what's about to happen to him and he's just completely calm yeah and it's funny because tom hanks would look at him and when he'd bring up certain things like possibility of electrocution <laughs> and he'd be like um doesn't that bother you or or he goes shouldn't you be a little more nervous about this and he goes would that help <laughs> like every time tom hanks would ask him something about why aren't you nervous or shouldn't you be you know, shaking in your boots kind of thing, and he'd go, would that help? I mean, he was just, like, was so calm about it all. Uh, and you could call that maybe zealot dedication. Yeah. Uh, maybe some of it was the fact that he was a past middle-aged man and was at a point where he understood that death was a was a possibility for in a lot of reasons, and he was okay with what the fate that could come. Or he was just an ultimate uh, spy, where he could just cover up his real feelings to that level, too. So yeah, he does say that he has been out of Russia for years at the at a time. Yeah, so because he was uh, his passport and citizenship was actually in the UK. Yeah, is is where it said he was from, and so. He was a foreigner, but it didn't necessarily say he was Soviet, and so the Soviets were trying to not claim him, really, as a spy. And when the whole time they just want him back, or dead. Yeah, whichever way keeps him from saying anything, you know, you know, telling information. They don't, they don't really uh, say it in the movie, but uh, I guess what he was doing was he was getting information from someone else like really valuable information yeah uh, trends turning it into code and then sending it on 
Which so, is implied, but not really... Yeah, they don't really go into it. And one thing... Um, I had to look this up. I was wondering how they even found out he was a spy. Apparently, the CIA caught another Russian spy. And this guy apparently did not have nerves of steel and just spilled his guts. Yeah. So it's it's interesting that... He got put in that position because another Soviet spy um, wasn't made of the same stuff he was. Yeah. And yeah, that's what got him outed to get the government to start paying attention to him and watching his every move, basically. And uh, But like we said, the, the it ends up getting to be more complicated of a situation because... James Donovan, Tom Hanks' character, after defending Abel, um, ends up being the go-to for handling the prisoner exchange negotiations because of the fact that he would be a private citizen to keep it from becoming an event. And so it becomes quite a bit more of a of a large-scale thing, and you get to see um, just the way that this man decided to handle the situation, which was very... Very interesting and very gutsy <laughs> at times, and uh, um, it it just ended up being a really interesting spy movie of an event that I had minuscule knowledge about, really. Um, but it just kind of opened up kind of a window to this incident, and also just uh the time when West Berlin and East Berlin became West Berlin and East Berlin, when the wall was put up and just kind of seeing that unfold a little bit. Uh, Spielberg is so good at capturing um, moments in history like that. Like in Schindler's List, he captured, uh, well, obviously that movie was heavily captured, I guess you could say, the Holocaust and just shedding light on just the horror, the horror of what that was, and then of course, um, in Saving Private Ryan, just capturing D Day and and how what American GIs went through on that day and things like that. And I feel like this is another place where, well, and then you could say even with Munich. The way he, he, you know, that was another incident that some people knew about, um, but not many. Or I was going to say Lincoln, point out Lincoln. And then, of course, there was Lincoln where he decided to focus on a very specific event where instead of focusing on the, the big civil war going on, he decided let's just focus on the war Lincoln fought in the Senate and the House to get slavery abolished. And uh, it gives you a little... You knew that that happened, but it gets you more into the mind of the political savviness of Lincoln. Yeah, so he's just really good at kind of capturing these moments, and I felt like this one was right in there too. Oh yeah, this and uh... and I f- I don't know about you, Dakota, but you know, obviously Steven Spielberg is pretty good at filming tight movies. You know, there's a few times when you can see maybe it's not so tight. Yeah. Like Lost World, Jurassic Park was kind of not terribly tight movie, um, but a lot of his movies are really tight. When telling a story in the way he decides to show it, but you almost got to wonder if the Coen Brothers script helped, just because those guys are known to be, you know, some of the best storyteller writers in the biz. So, well, 
Yeah, they're good at not necessarily um, telling, like, big stories, but stories that involve people, and I think that's what really helped here, because... Definitely. It's pointed out in the movie when Donovan, he makes it to East Berlin after <laughs> after a kind of tense scene traveling from East Ber- West Berlin to East Berlin, and he's talking with this guy, and he's they pretty much just agree... That hey we're just we're just people sitting here talking, but we can have the conversations that our com- that our country <coughs> cannot, and it's one of those interesting things, and it just kind of I have a feeling the Cohen brothers put that line in there, hmm. just because that seems like something they would do, and it's just it's kind of fascinating how. How this story kind of just flows. And then um, one thing that came out of left field, something I had no idea about, was there was actually a third uh, prisoner that ended up getting involved in all this. Um, Yes, yeah. An American uh, college student was in Berlin. Studying uh, economics. Yeah, Soviet Soviet economics. During the Cold War. (laughs) Yep. Yep, but... uh, he ends up getting arrested. Uh, he gets accused of being a spy. Yeah, it's a pretty exaggerated claim. But uh, he gets drawn into this whole mess and... Um, really doesn't have to be, yeah. though. But Donovan, you know, that was one thing he, he worked at when he heard about that ma- that guy. That scene where he brings up the fact that he wants these two American prisoners for this one Russian prisoner kind of blew me away because I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, really? Yeah. Yeah, it was just, it was interesting just to see, um, they, again, they bring James, James Donovan, I don't know, I would like to know more about him because this movie just makes it out that he was like, uh, just so tenacious and, and just, he saw what needed to be done, and, and he just seemed to do it. You know, that's how it came across in this movie, and I'd really be interested to read more into that, which is what a good historical movie should do, because yeah. obviously this was a movie. You don't want to get all of your facts about the... This was inspired by real events, but wasn't necessarily... You know, we don't know all the conversations. They they have to make it fit into a two to two and a half hour time frame. But, uh, so I would definitely be interested to see, you know, to, to find out more about... Um, this James Donovan, although just, just doing the old skim surface stuff, it seems like, uh, this movie got a lot of the events across pretty truthfully. It's just a matter of, you know, you're always going to have your bias and how you decide to, who you're going to make more heroic and who you're going to villainize a little bit more and things like that. Um, just because you could argue that Abel, a Soviet spy in America, was painted in a pretty nice picture in this movie, in one sense. You know, you knew who he was. You knew he was kind of a devious spy, but at the same time, because of his kindredship with Donovan, you didn't think of him as a total villain or, you know, guy you didn't like or something, you know. So, but yeah, so as far as uh, just filming in general outside of actual storyline movie how'd you feel about that like the way it was shot and I thought it I thought it was overall pretty good 
I gotta say, this was actually a really interesting uh, movie in that uh, it reminded me of a, a lot of older movies. I kind of... It was kind of interesting that uh, it had that feel to it. I'm pretty sure it was on purpose, but... Probably a little, little bit, especially when I looked at the history of getting this movie made. I mean, it was originally kind of conceived in 1965 to make this movie, and Gregory Peck was going to play the Tom Hanks yeah. role, and Alec Guinness was going to play Abel, and so you almost got to wonder if Spielberg kind of looked at that history and just decided, well, let's make this kind of more of an old-school thriller in that sense. It definitely worked for... I mean, some movies tried to... They try to have, they try to have, it be intense, and sometimes it just doesn't work. Um, like I felt Argo, Ben Affleck's like. It felt like he overdid the the tension and 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 th- thriller suspense kind of at the end. Yeah, I felt like he kind of just overdid it to kind of this big dramatic pull, where uh, and and sometimes. That's okay, but sometimes it makes you feel like maybe they don't have confidence in the story they're telling, and so they gotta like jazz it up or something, you know, or something. Whereas, um, yeah, this movie definitely didn't have that problem. Yeah, it just kind of you were you were interested in in the whole thing, and and Spielberg always has that unique way of how he decides to kind of start a shot, film the shot, and then kind of how he decides to to have you look at the shot and just what things he decides to do and have you focus on or like the one scene I noticed when uh, they're walking in like a subway station it's near the beginning it, they, it, it seemed like there was a sign where it, fo- it had it said like walk don't run it had like <laughs> these signs above just keep people kind of orderly in the subway area and I noticed that it was handheld like he filmed that handheld where these government guys are kind of following Abel, and it's like it almost feels like he did the handheld there just so that it was a little, even like even though they're kind of walking and trying to be kind of coy through this place, the shakiness kind of gave a little bit more of like a um, you're working your way through the crowd with them, you know. And he likes to capture those moments where you're kind of in with them and with the events going on. And I don't know, I've always appreciated that about how he films movies where you're not so much like. Every draws you into it. Well, every shot isn't just a big panorama shot or everything going on, but you're kind of in the moments, you know? You're kind of in, in, their, in their head when you need to be or in the actions when you need to be. Um, kind of like uh, Lord of the Rings. Peter Jackson did way too many, like, big shots because he wanted to, like, capture the big things where... He did a lot, and maybe and maybe you could say it worked there because it kind of I guess it did kind of work there to capture the big moments. But this is a movie that definitely needed to have those tight moments, but still not be jarring or out of place or something. I thought he did a really good job because this this is a pretty low key movie. This wasn't Jurassic Park. This wasn't Minority Report. This wasn't even Saving Private Ryan. This is a pretty low key movie. Um, I thought it just came across really well. And this was only, like, the second time in his feature film career that John Williams didn't score it. Uh, Thomas Newman actually did the music for this movie because John Williams wasn't feeling well in the, during the time when it needed to be done. 
And so, and I had mentioned to Code earlier, I thought maybe that benefited this movie a little bit since it wasn't the usual Spielberg spectacle that it didn't have, like, a certain familiarity and score because sometimes you can tell John Williams. Yeah. Not all the time, but a lot of times you can tell John Williams. And so you kind of had that element take it out where it wasn't, there wasn't that familiarity even in, in the music that progressed you through the movie too. And so I thought maybe that yeah, they definitely too. They definitely needed more a more subdued tone for this movie, which they kind of did that with the colors too. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I mean, when you're in bleak <laughs> Soviet Berlin and places like that, uh, yeah, it's going to happen. But I thought the casting in this movie is really well. The guy who played Abel, guy I'd never really heard of before, that Spielberg saw in a play and thought he's really well and cast him. I thought he did a, a really good job playing Abel. Mark Rylance, I'm not sure how that's how you say his last name, or Rylance, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Spielberg's using him again. Next summer he's going to be the BFG in Spielberg's movie, The BFG, based on the Road Dahl book, which stands for, is it Big Friendly Giant? Is that what that stands for? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go with that one. Yeah. There's been rumors about what that stands for. Well, yeah, I guess, like, in Doom it stands for something different. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, apparently Spielberg liked, liked working with him, and, and he was, I mean, he was good. In fact, I mentioned to Dakota after we saw it that it was really subdued and I could see where it might not happen, but at the same time, it wouldn't shock me if there's a possibility of a supporting actor nod for his performance just because it was an interesting enough role and he pulled it off pretty well. And sometimes it helps when you don't have a past in Hollywood. <laughs> oh, yeah. To get those types of nominations, you know, and he wouldn't have a past where it's like, you know, that would be going against him or something like that. So we'll see. I think, you know, there's a possibility of maybe some other things with this movie. I could see where maybe some of that things like cinematography or something could definitely get a, you know could get nominated for that too just because of, you know, you're talking about the look of it was really good. I mean, it, every, there was no jarring moments just because the CGI was very... I mean, there's a few shots that obviously must have been CGI just based on what happened in the shots. Yeah. But... I don't really recall like it noticing it. Yeah, there were, there were no weak moments with the CGI and, like and, there sometimes is. Yeah, but just so but in terms of just visually I was never jarred out of thinking I was in the late 1950s early 60s. Um everything looked right to me. I although I I will admit I'm not a you know, as people who are like well, that cigarette pack wouldn't have been around until 1964, and it's 1950-whatever in this movie. And so, I guess I know someone knows all that detail, but I thought, just overall, I wasn't jarred out of, like, time period type things. And, uh, there were some people who were, you know, known stars in this movie that didn't have huge parts in this movie, but... It also, they were parts that just didn't call for <laughs> very large parts. You know, they just weren't a big part of the overall story, but everybody just, I thought, did a really good job in this movie as far as that goes. But And so just overall impression, Dakota, what, what do you say about Bridge of Spies? This was definitely one of the better movies I've seen this year. 
Although, to be fair, that's not saying much. But this was a really good movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'd say as far as this year, yes, it was a very good movie. But just as far as, like, uh, whatever category you want to put this in, whether it's kind of a true event type thing, spy movie, uh, biopic, you know. Bi- biopic is something where it can be really generalized or can be very specific how you use that term. <laughs> But this is definitely, you know, a, a, a true event movie. And I think in terms of a true event movie, historical drama type thing, one of the better ones, especially the better ones I've seen in a while. Um, and it was nice to just be able to review a movie on here that wasn't an action blockbuster. You know, I was realizing we haven't done too many outside of the big blockbuster movies as, terms, as far as reviews on this show. <laughs> Yeah, we have this one and The Martian, and... It, but The Martian was a blockbuster. Well, it, it made a lot of money. It's Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I guess maybe there is a little bit of a difference there between busting the block and making a lot of money. So, yeah, as, as far as me, I'd say definitely see this when you had the chance. Um, it's two, over two hours, but, you know, I was shocked to see that, I guess... Uh, yeah, you do not feel those two hours. You don't feel it. And that's that's impressive because sometimes these historical event movies you can feel the time, even even a better one you can feel the length. Yeah, they... you didn't really feel the length in this, and I think just because it had a progressing enough story to it, um, and the events going on, you were interested in the whole time. And having someone like Tom Hanks in the lead always helps, just because um, he always plays an interesting lead, and he draws you into a movie just because. Even if you don't really care for him, he's still always really relatable and likable in the movie season. Even movies like I don't like, like Da Vinci Code. I mean, he's not even very good in that movie, but <laughs> yeah. but he's still Tom Hanks, you know. And and there's always just something about him that kind of draws you in. I don't know. He just kind of has that ability to do that. Um, but at the same time, I didn't really think about the fact that I was watching Tom Hanks this whole movie too. Um, I was. You know, he kind of he kind of pulls you into the story. So, yeah. So definitely check this one out. Take a friend. Take a friend. Learn some history movie version of it, and maybe it'll intrigue you enough to search out more about this stuff and learn why the band U two decided to call themselves U two. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's definitely a recommend from Dakota. Recommend. From me, you know, obviously, if you get a chance to see it in theaters, more power to you. Um, even though it's kind of low key, it was still fun to see it on the big screen. Um, and so, yeah. Um, as far as uh, other, you know, <laughs> lost my train of thought there. Dun, dun, dun. Wow, I'm just <laughs> like blanking out here. Uh, Facebook, you know, um, as. Keep up with us on Facebook, you know, like us on there. It's where we post movie news things we come across, obviously, when the new episodes are coming out. But also, if you just subscribe to us on YouTube or iTunes, one of those things, it'll you'll automatically get an email saying, new episode is up. And so if you do that, you'll know right away once it's uploaded. And so I encourage you to do that. And, of course, rate and review, because <laughs> we want to know how good or terrible we're doing. So let us know. Plus it, you know, obviously rating 
interviewing kind of boosts you a little bit. You don't take quite a bit to boost us <laughs> at this point, yes. but any of it helps. And so it's just nice to hear from what people think. Yeah, help us help you. Help, help us help you. There you go. That's all we ask. That's all we ask. And if you rate a review, you'll get put into a... Pro- no, I don't know. We don't have anything to give away right now. <laughs> you should have went with it. Then we could have been like, gotcha. Oh, yeah. I got nothing. Uh, you win a, f- a brand new Toyota. You win a free... And then the joke would be on you. We'd give you like a little Toyota. I'll tell you what. If if you rate and review us on, on iTunes or something, one of those... Uh, iTunes, iTunes would be the place to be. So if you rate and review us on iTunes, we'll call you out on the next episode after we see that and give you a shout out. And there you go. <laughs> we'll do that right now. That's what we can afford, I think. <laughs> we can afford a shout out. So there you go. So remember to do that. And um, I think with that, we'll close up the show here. So I'm Steven. And I am Dakota. Thank you.